done here in a second. See who's in the waiting room. All right, let's get started. Welcome to today's Journal Club webinar. My name is Rachel Dager. I'm Executive Director of SNEB and glad you're joining us um, for um, the second to the last in our best of the Journal of Nutrition Education and Behavior series. Um, a little bit of housekeeping. Um, let me put the slides for today's presentation into the chat for you and you can download that presentation and follow along. We will take questions at the end of the presentation, so please type those in the chat or the question block um, so we can moderate those to our presenter. I have turned on the closed caption feature. If that is helpful for you, you can turn that on and use that. Um, when I close the webinar today, there'll be a short survey, and we appreciate your feedback on this session, uh, as well as ideas for future journal clubs, although I can give you a heads up that uh, the Digitech division has worked with um, Kristen, and uh, we've got a digital technology session organized uh, for the spring. And then when, um, after the webinar ends today, look for your follow-up email, uh, probably Wednesday of this week, uh, with a link to the recording, the handout, and the CEU certificate that you're earning for your attendance today. I will turn things over to our moderator, Dr. Kristen DiFilippo, is a teaching assistant professor at the University of Illinois. Thanks, Rachel. Today, our speaker is Tori Taniguchi. She is the data director and epidemiologist at the Center for Indigenous Health Research and Policy. In this role, she manages the study databases for NIH-funded R01 studies, assists with developing research instruments and surveys, and performs statistical analysis. She received a Master's of Public Health and Epidemiology in 2016, and her research interests include community-based participatory research, Native American health, diet-related health disparities, and chronic disease prevention. I want to thank her for joining us today and for sharing her work with us. At this point, I can pass it over to Tori. Great. Um, thank you so much for that introduction and for allowing me to present today on our work. Um, again, my name is Tori, and I am one of the co-authors on the manuscript titled Development of a Tribally-Led Gardening Curriculum for Indigenous Preschool Children, uh, The Fresh Study. Unfortunately, none of the other co-authors on this paper were able to join today, um, but we do actually have results published on the study now. Um, so I will talk about some of our findings at the end. Um, I probably won't take up the full hour, so hopefully we have plenty of time for discussion and any questions I can answer. Um, I have no conflicts of interest to disclose for this presentation. 
Uh, before I begin, I would like to take time to acknowledge all of our tribal partners at Osage Nation, as well as our funders at the National Institutes of Health for their hard work and support on the project of today's topic. Um, so here's the outline of today's presentation. Before I get into our study, I wanted to touch on some background regarding chronic disease and food insecurity in Native Americans, um, as well as obesity prevention in early childhood. And then I will get into our project and discuss community-based participatory research and food sovereignty, um, which both guide all of the work we do. Um, and then I will get into the methods of the study, including the intervention components of the FRESH study, including the preschool curriculum and the evaluations that were used. And then lastly, I'll discuss the results of the study as well as some discussion points. So the nutrition educator competencies that this presentation covers are to determine the behavior change goals of a program, to design process and outcome evaluation plans, and to advocate effectively for action-oriented nutrition education and healthy diets. So in all of our studies, we work with Native Americans and other indigenous communities to reduce chronic disease through prevention efforts. There is a huge gap in health disparities among these populations. Native Americans experience higher morbidity and mortality from chronic disease, as well as other associated risk factors, such as obesity, diabetes, and hypertension compared to the all-race population. About 43% of Native American adults are obese, Native Americans are twice as likely to develop diabetes compared to non-Hispanic whites, and almost 40% of Native Americans are hypertensive compared to almost 30% among non-Hispanic whites. And then we also see significant disparities among risk factors related to chronic disease, such as fruit and vegetable intake, physical activity, um, as well as tobacco use in this population. Native Americans, as well as Alaska Natives, have high rates of food insecurity, um, which is defined as a limited availability of nutritional, nutritional and safe foods. Food insecurity in these two groups is much higher, in fact, about four times as higher compared to the general population. And in Oklahoma, Native American and Alaska Natives, where we conduct most of our research, we see even higher rates of food insecurity at about 60%. Um, and as I, as I mentioned, chronic disease rates are high among this group, but these rates are even higher for those that are food insecure. Chronic disease and food insecurity are linked to the food environment, which are the number and types of food sources in a community. Um, here in Oklahoma, a lot of the tribal communities we work with have children in the household and are in rural locations with lower access to healthy foods and fresh produce. Uh, making it difficult for folks to have healthy, affordable food options, thus playing a role in high chronic disease rates. One of the strategies to prevent obesity is targeting early childhood. By the age of two, the literature actually shows that Native American children will weigh more than their white counterparts. Um, a setting that has potential to have a vital environmental influence on learned eating behaviors that attribute to obesity prevention are early care education programs, um, also known as ECEs, since food preferences begin early in this childhood stage and children eat about one to two meals at school. Um, there have been obesity programs that have been successfully implemented among urban ECE programs. However, there isn't really any literature regarding success in rural, school, rural schools and even more so in tribal communities. 
So now to get into our project called the Food Resource Equity for Sustainable Health Study, um, also known as FRESH. So the FRESH study is a multi-level, multi-component, five-year R01 study um, funded by the National Institutes of Health. And it was aimed to increase fruit and vegetable consumption and reduce body mass index and other health outcomes in Native American children and their families living in Osage Nation. So the community we partnered for partnered with for the study is the Osage Nation tribe, which is located in Oklahoma. And this is a map of all the tribal jurisdictions in Oklahoma, and we do have 37 federally recognized tribes in the state. And Osage Nation is portrayed in the green um, up in the northeastern part of Oklahoma. Osage Nation has a total tribal membership of about 11,000, of whom about 6,000 reside on the reservation. And then Osage Nation also operates a number of programs and services for Native American families, um, such as food distribution program on Indian reservations. So all of the work we do at our center um, is grounded in community-based participatory research, which is an approach to research that equally involves all partners in all aspects of the research, and each partner um, brings unique strengths to the research. So community-based participatory research, also known as CBPR, starts with a research topic of importance to a specific community with the goal of combining knowledge and action for social change to improve health um, and reduce and eliminate health disparities. All of our work also follows the Indigenous Food Sovereignty Movement, um, which is the right and responsibility of Indigenous peoples to access healthy and culturally appropriate foods while defining their food systems. So this movement outlines the key strategy to support Indigenous communities to take over their food systems is to increase and protect traditional healthy foods and reduce dependence on packaged and fast foods. So this movement addresses the need for nutrition equity approaches that are rooted within an indigenous concept of health and wellness. So our CBPR partnership with Osage Nation actually started a couple years before the Fresh, Fresh Grant began. It comprised of a multi-sector group of representatives from various tribal sectors, um, in addition to university partners. The Osage Nation's vision was to build upon their goal to create a sustainable food system using the farm they had in one of their communities, um, which was developed in 2015, known then as Bird Creek Farm. Um, we then surveyed diverse stakeholders across Osage Nation to kind of assess the feasibility of and community readiness to implement strategies to improve the food environment. Um, with these results, participants identified that increasing the availability of healthy foods through tribally owned and operated venues was the best strategy for implementation. So collaboratively, we developed a farm to school intervention um, and an executive committee was formed to design and develop the FRESH study. Um, and this quote here is from the assistant principal chief at Osage Nation, which says, finally, we have a way to do what we did 200 years ago, feed our own people. Um, which he's referring to um, the farm, which is now actually known as Harvest Land Farm instead of Burke Creek Farm. So the Fresh Executive Committee was made up of a multidisciplinary group that included teachers, ECE directors, tribal leadership, 
um, cooks, school administrators, as well as the curriculum director. And the committee met monthly in person at the beginning of the grant during the development phase to design and plan the study. So for FRESH, we developed three specific aims. The first was to characterize the Osage Nation food environment and assess the correlation of the food environment with obesity, hypertension, as well as diabetes. The second was to develop a culturally relevant, multi-level, multi-component multi community garden intervention and evaluate its effectiveness in increasing fruit and vegetable intake, um, reducing food insecurity, body mass index, as well as blood pressure. Um, and the last aim was to create and disseminate a web-based multimedia manual, manual and documentary to evaluate the study's effectiveness and increase tribal readiness and capacity to improve tribal food environment. So the setting of the FRESH study was in ECE programs in four communities in Osage Nation. And this included four Head Starts, four Wazazi Learning Academies, which were also known as WILAs, and then one language immersion school. These programs were located in the four Osage communities of Skytook, Fairfax, Hominy, and Pahuska. And the oldest of the programs, which was the Head Start programs, had enrollment um, of children ranging from about 19 to 95 across the four communities. Um, the Wheeler School served about 12 to 26 children across the four communities. Um, and then the Language Immersion School enrolled about 30 to 35 children in their program, and this is only located in Pahuska. So the main outcomes of the study were dietary intake in children and adults, and then we also looked at food security, body mass index, and blood pressure. The target sample size for the study was 250 Osage Nation households. The study design was a randomized waitlist controlled trial um, that was randomized at the community level. So two of those communities were in the intervention group, um, which included five ECE programs, and then two communities were in the control group, which were four ECE programs. And the fresh intervention occurred in the spring semester in 2018 for the intervention group, and then occurred in the fall semester of 2018 for the waitlist control group. Um, and the intervention in length was 16 weeks. So this is the conceptual model we use when writing the FRESH grant. Um, and this just shows the potential effects of a community farm and garden. So this model was adapted to conceptualize gardens as systems interventions with the potential to promote health of families and strengthen the community environment. So FRESH was designed as a multi-level, multi-component intervention. Um, we actually intervened on um, the children and teachers through a 15-week preschool curriculum. Children receive take-home recipe kits in their backpack, backpack each week um, to cook a meal at home with their families. Teachers um, all receive supplies and produce to the classroom and gardening activities of the curriculum. And then teachers also received a training on responsive feeding practices. Um, we did intervene also on the school cooks by administering a new best practice six-week menu cycle. Um, and then we also did a menu report and analysis with that. And then the last component, which was more of a passive component, was a 16-week hybrid parent curriculum that consisted of online and in-person sessions. Um, parents also received cooking supplies at these um, in-person sessions for the take-home recipe kits.
So the preschool component was our main component for the intervention. Um, we implemented a 15-week curriculum that was adapted through a series of meetings with Osage leadership and teachers over six months. And as an outcome of this, the fresh curriculum was actually developed from two different curricula, um, the Early Sprouts and Watch Me Grow curricula. The Early Sprouts curriculum is 24 weeks in length through six-week cycles to show the four growing seasons. Um, which each weekly cycle featured one of the one of six target vegetables. And then this curriculum was actually the primary source for the adapted fresh preschool curriculum. The Watch Me Grow curriculum involved a crop a month structure um, spanning over four months. And then we added elements from this curriculum to supplement the teacher's manual, um, primarily for classroom discussion questions and introducing introdu introductory reading activities. Um, the main adaptations included in included for our study was the replacement of certain vegetables with vegetables that Osage Nation Farm could produce. So we also replaced one of the original lessons with um, a lesson on the three sisters, which is a traditional indigenous approach for growing beans and squash with corn. The curriculum focused on six different target vegetables, which Osage Nation did help identify. And these were carrots, tomatoes, peppers, beans, squash, and spinach. And then tribal elders that were fluent in the Osage language also contributed translations for the names of target vegetables and other gardening terms as well um, that were listed in the curriculum. Also, as part of the preschool curriculum, we did install one garden bed per classroom at each of the intervention schools for the outdoor activity portion of the curriculum. And these garden beds were tended regularly by, o by Osage Nation Har Harvest Land staff. Um, and this top right picture um, shows some of the garden beds that were made at one of the ECE programs. And then the picture below is just an example of one of the weekly take-home recipe kits that were included in the curriculum. So the preschool curriculum was split into three themes. Um, each of the themes spanned five weeks each. So theme one, um, which were weeks one through five, included an introductory reading activity, an indoor garden-related sensory exploration activity, and a cooking activity. Um, the purpose of the reading activity was to introduce the children to the target vegetables. The sensory activities in this theme encouraged the children to deepen their observational skills, to develop comparative descriptions um, between the vegetables, and to identify special characteristics about the vegetables. Um, children were also given opportunities to explore historical food preparation techniques. Um, and then children also participated in preparing a recipe um, that included the target vegetables. Um, and these pictures um, up top represent the books that were read to the to the students during this theme. For theme two, um, which were weeks six through 10, the focus shifted to the garden. Um, so this included activities concentrated on seeds as well as cooking activities. Um, these activities helped to reinforce kind of the seed to table concept by allowing children the opportunity to observe the beginning of the growing cycle. Um, and then the activities of this theme are aimed to deepen children's observational skills through actual dissecting of the vegetables and exploring different, different plant parts. And then the last theme, theme three, were weeks 11 through 15 of the curriculum. 
Um, and the outdoor gardening activities for this theme included harvesting the vegetables. And the indoor, indoor sensory activities included, included exploration with the vegetables um, that were harvested. Uh, these activities demonstrated to the children how to care and tend for the plants um, that create the vegetables that they then ate. So the children would bring the harvested vegetables back into the classroom, engage in a sensory exploration activity um, that involved comparing and contrasting the different types of vegetables, as well as developing some descriptive vocabulary um, and exploring the vegetables through all of the senses. Um, and then again, each week, the children also participated in preparing a recipe that included the target vegetables. So before we launched the preschool curriculum, um, we did hold two trainings with the teachers. The first training was on responsive feeding practices, which was an hour and a half training that focused on role modeling, peer modeling, sensory exploration, um, supporting children serving themselves, and award, rewards and praise. So each discussion topic included handouts, um, which included key messages and verbal prompts regarding responsive feeding for teachers to refer to during the training. Um, and then the second training was for intervention teachers only that lasted approximately three hours. Um, and this was just on the preschool curriculum and to work out any logistics or last minute questions teachers had before the intervention began. And all teachers were given a binder of the curriculum, and this included all of the weekly activities split up by theme, as well as an index for the recipes. Um, also before the launch of the intervention, the ECE cooks also received a training, and this was a three-hour training on the child and adult care food program best practices a menu and redesign for the intervention. So throughout the training, several opportunities were provided to develop a specific goal and action plan to make changes at each of the cooks program. Um, the top, topics of this training included why meat best practices, best practices in food preparation, strategies for easier menu planning, understanding food labels, um, and easy recipe modifications. So the, and this uh, slide just kind of lists all the goals of the new, new best practice menu for the intervention, um, such as including more fruit and vegetables as snacks, um, including vegetable subgroups throughout the week, um, serve two servings of whole grain food per day, um, and limits, uh, limit the pre-fried food that were um, given to children. And then the last component was the parent level. And like I said, this was more of a passive piece of the intervention, um, but this did include a complimentary 16 week hybrid curriculum. Research staff worked with the tribal leaders to review, revise and finalize content of the curriculum over several months of in-person meetings and some discussions. Um, tribal leaders stated that they did want to ensure the curriculum would be culturally relevant include instruction on food sovereignty, um, promote other overall healthy lifestyles, and include low-cost and budget-friendly nutrition resources. Um, also, research staff determined that the majority of the curriculum could be presented online, um, but we did include four monthly in-person in meetings over the course of the intervention. Um, and then we converted everything into a paper version as well to ma mail to parents that did not have internet access. 
So the parent curriculum was adopted from three different sources. Um, the first was Choose Health LA's Healthy Parenting Workshops. The second was First Nations Development Institute Food Sovereignty Assessment Tool. And the third was Grassroots International Food for Thought and Action Curriculum. Um, the food sovereignty tools provided a foundation for the food sovereignty education com components of the curriculum. Um, and then the parenting curriculum from Choose Health LA provided a foundation for the nutrition education, as well as the healthy lifestyle and parenting components. And so we adopted the Choose Health LA curriculum by creating kind of shorter but more frequent lessons that could be accessed online. Um, and the adapted parent cur curriculum used for the study covered one lesson um, each for 12 weeks and then included four in-person meetings to discuss food sovereignty. So the online content, um, which was 12 weeks, was divided into 12 lessons, and the main topics for each of the lessons were on nutrition education, lifestyle practices, and healthy parenting practices. Um, all of the content was reviewed, revised, and reformatted by the Fresh Study, Step, Fresh Study staff, as well as registered dietitians, um, according to current trends in nutrition-related um, evidence-based recommendations. So the revised lessons were designed to be completed in 20 minutes or less. And each lesson consisted of an introduction to the topic, a video representation of the lesson, um, as well as written text of the lesson. And then printable handouts um, were also there to accompany the lessons. Um, and each lesson contained a weekly goal planning and reflection component that parents were able to fill out. So these in-person family sessions, also known as family nights, were um, featured indigenous foods and food sovereignty activities to promote community awareness um, for a more equitable and sustainable tribal food system. So portions of the food sovereignty material were presented at each of the four in-person meetings, kind of breaking the material into smaller segments to make it more manageable for the parents. Um, parents were also given a free meal prepared using indigenous in ingredients by a native chef um, at the end of each of the in-person sessions. So recruitment and data collection for Fresh. Um, recruitment was actually mainly conducted by teachers since our target population for children was at the ECE programs. Um, so teachers had flyers around the school and also sent children home with a letter to their parents regarding the study. We did also have university staff attend um, the school back to school nights at each of the communities to recruit as well. So to be eligible for the FRESH study, um, adults had to have at least one child aged three to six enrolled at an ECE program, have a household family member identify as Native American, plan to remain in Osage Nation for the entirety of the intervention, and then have a adult in the household willing to attend the monthly in-person sessions. The data collected for the study um, after consent forms were signed were in the forms of surveys, dietary recalls, um, and in-person appointments for measured biometrics. And this occurred at baseline, um, so before the intervention, and then at one follow-up intervention um, time point that occurred six months after the intervention. So the evaluation of child outcomes. So we did measure target vegetable intake by a weighed plate waste method um, to objectively measure food intake um, and research um, staff were trained on this technique. So staff numbered, weighed and prepared vegetable containers with standardized pieces of the six target vegetables 
um, and the vegetables were portioned so that each vegetable variety visually occupied the same space in the container. Containers included three um, cut raw grape tomatoes, three raw baby carrots, five fresh spinach leaves, five cubes of roasted butternut squash, five cooked lima beans, and then three slices of raw green bell peppers, um, along with the prepackaged container ranch dip. And this is shown in the bottom left picture here. So trained research staff weighed each vegetable container prior to and after the addition of each vegetable and the ranch dip container. And then we use these weights to calculate an objectively measured pre-presentation weight for each vegetable um, before they were served to the children. Containers were um, provided immediately preceding a routine morning snack, lunch, or an afternoon snack period. And so after the vegetable presentation, the trained researchers then replaced any vegetable particles that were not consumed um, back into the container, such as any vegetables that had dropped on the floor or that were on the table or in the children's chair. And then the trained research staff were, um, would weigh each vegetable container with all the remaining contents and then reweigh after removing each vegetable and unconsumed dip. And so we use these post-presentation cereal weights to measure the post-presentation weights for each, each vegetable. We estimated the weight of children's vegetable consumption as the weight difference between the pre and post-presentation weights for each of the vegetables. And then we estimated the total consumption weight for each child by summing the consumption weight of all six of the target vegetables together. So we also looked at willingness to try observations, um, and this was conducted requiring simultaneous observation of four preschool children by each researcher to visually estimate consumption of each of the vegetables. So at the time that the vegetable containers were presented for the plate waste and vegetable intake, trained observers also rated each child's interaction with the vegetable in the container. Um, the willingness to try rating options are um, range from zero to four. So zero was the child did not remove the vegetable from the box all the way to four to the child put um, the vegetable in their mouth and swallowed. So we calculated a total willingness to try score by adding the observer ratings um, of zero to four for each of the six vegetables, um, which was a total possible score of, six, of zero to 24 for all six of the vegetables. And then for children, we also looked at BMI, and this was taken from measured height and weight by research staff. And then children's height and weight were then converted to BMI percentiles. So evaluation of parent outcomes. So we did look at dietary intake for adults, um, and this was evaluated using the National Cancer Institute's um, self-administered 24-hour recall. Um, recalls were obtained either in person or via phone by university staff. And then recall data were used to estimate mean intake total fruits and cup equivalents um, and total vegetable and cup equivalents in both intervention and control groups. And then we also used a food behavior checklist, um, which included seven questions to assess combined fruit and vegetable intake in cups per day. We also looked at household food insecurity um, using the USDA 18 item food security survey module. Um, and this consisted of 18 questions that assessed quantitative and qualitative dimensions of the food supply in the household. To calculate the levels of food security, um, the number of confirmatory responses to each of the questions were totaled 
Um, a score of zero to one indicated high food security, two to three indicated marginal food security, and then three to seven indicated low food security, and then eight to 18 indicated very low. We also looked at BMI, um, which was taken from measured height and weight, and participants were categorized according to the CDC guidelines um, for underweight, um, healthy weight, overweight, and obese. And then we also looked at blood pressure um, on adults only. And so these measurements were taken three times, and then an average was calculated using the last two measurements. And our outcome for this was mean systolic blood pressure. So we also administered weekly process evaluations to assess the adherence to the preschool curriculum. So these were web-based surveys that were emailed weekly to the teachers in the intervention um, ECE programs. And we based the questions on the three themes of the curriculum and the three activities. Um, and this included a range of 11 to 15 um, quantitative and qualitative questions. So questions included whether each of the activity was completed, duration of each activity, um, whether objectives, objectives for each activity were met, which objectives were met, and a section for any comments or feedback about the lessons. And then teachers also indicated whether the children enjoyed, were neutral, or disliked the recipe of the week um, from the cooking activity section. And so we assessed fidelity by calculating the percentage of classrooms that completed each activity um, and this was based on previous process evaluation literature. So low fidelity was from zero to 49%, moderate fidelity was 50 to 74%, and then high fidelity was 75 to 100%. And so this is an example of one of the sections on our actual process evaluation for, I believe this was theme two. Um, and so this data was all collected via the REDCap database through surveys. And it took teachers about 10 minutes to complete. So teachers were asked if they did a certain activity, um, if they clicked yes, they were able to click how long it took and which of the objectives were met. Um, and then we also left spaces for teachers to fill out any reasons why the activity wasn't completed. Some results. This figure just shows the flowchart um, from the studies randomization all the way to the six month follow up data collection for the parents and children. So after randomization and eligibility, eligibility screening, there were a total of 214 families enrolled in the study. Um, out of the 214, we were able to obtain baseline data collection from 193 children and 170 adults. And then out of the 193 children that completed the baseline data, we were able to follow up 176. So it was a pretty high retention rate. And then we also had a high retention rate for parents as well from um, the 170 at baseline, we were able to follow up 151. So table one just shows some of the demographics of the children from the FRESH study. Um, so like I said, there was a total of 193 children that filled out um, that completed the baseline data collection. Um, 106 were in the intervention group, group and 87 were in the control group. We did see most, um, about 50% were four years old. Um, however, there was a slightly higher percent of three-year-olds and five-year-olds in the control group. Um, and then about 55% were female and then most did identify as Native American or white. Table two shows demographics of the adults in the study. 
So out of the 170 adults, there were 93 in the intervention group and 77 in the control group. The mean age was about 33, so um, kind of a young population. The majority were female and over 50% reported identifying as either Native American or white. Almost 70% reported being married or living with a partner. About 35% received public assistance and the mean number of children living in the household was almost three. Um, and this is just a continuation of the table. So annual household income slightly, um, differed slightly between um, the two groups. About 41% of the intervention group participants reported income of more than 50,000. And then almost 54% of the control group um, reported household income of between 20 to 50,000. Um, education also differed significantly between the groups. Um, about 32% of adults in the intervention group received a college degree or higher, um, and about 52% of the control participants um, reported having a high school degree or less. Um, and then more participants in the intervention group reported working full-time compared to the control group. And then most adults reported being a parent or a step-parent of the children enrolled in the study. So this table shows the target vegetable intake using the plate waste method um, with means and standard deviations for um, the children. So of the six target vegetables we assessed, we did find significant increases in intake for squash and beans in the intervention group compared to the control group from baseline to follow-up. And then the intake of peppers actually increased in both groups, although the difference were, differences were not significant. And then we did also find significant increases in willingness to try scores in the intervention group compared to the control group for tomatoes and beans. So for child level health outcomes, we did not see any significant change in BMI categories in either groups. Um, most children were in the healthy weight category um, in the intervention group from baseline to follow-up and control children were also in that healthy weight category. For the parent level results, um, we actually did not have any significant findings, which we kind of expected since the intervention among the parents was more passive. Um, but we did see a trend in higher fruit and vegetable intake um, and also a trend in lower food insecurity as well in the intervention parents. Um, but these results were not significant. And then lastly, we did not see any changes in BMI or blood pressure. Um, but I did want to note that obesity was high at baseline. So almost 55% in the intervention group were defined as obese and then 53% in the control group were in the obese category. So table four shows the quantitative results from those process evaluation surveys that the teachers filled out. Um, results showed um, high fidelity for each of the activities. So 100% for all of the reading activities, which was... Um, just a reminder, this only was in theme one, so weeks one through five. Um, the fidelity for the sensory activities ranged from about 85 to 100% for the sensory activities. And then the fidelity for the cooking activities ranged from about 76.9 to 100%. And then this last column just shows the percentage of classrooms where teachers reported that the children either enjoyed or were neutral toward the recipe. And so there was a quite a range depending on the recipe, um, which was about 39% to 
Here is some of the qualitative feedback um, we received from the teachers on those process evaluation surveys. So teachers described their children's favorite part of the lesson um, and kind of also gave some feedback on what the children didn't like. Um, sometimes they enjoyed preparing and making the cooking activity recipe, um, but didn't really enjoy the taste of it. And then other teachers also kind of added in their own activities that tied to the lessons, um, such as um, this teacher that made a clothesline for children to wash and hang their aprons. And then kind of circling back to that cook's best menu um, intervention, this is an example of one of the weeks from the intervention. And the red text indicates the foods that were retained from the original menu um, before the intervention. So this specific ECE program provided breakfast, lunch, and a snack to children. And the changes in breakfast included the addition of baked scrambled eggs, um, blueberries, and sausage gravy. Um, lunch additions included adding a tuna melt and a spinach salad. And for snacks, they included hummus in the menu. Um, the other five menus were also modified to include more fruits and vegetables, as well as lower fat foods. Um, and we were able to incorporate local and fresh foods from the tribe, tribal farm in the menus. So in conclusion of the fresh study, we did see vegetable intake in the intervention group compared to the control group was significantly higher um, for the intervention children um, for a couple of the vegetables, which were squash and beans. We also did see the willingness to try scores were higher from baseline to follow-up for the intervention group for beans and tomatoes. Um, however, we didn't see any significant changes among BMI in children, and then we didn't see any significant changes in health outcomes and food insecurity, as well as fruit and vegetable intake for the adults. So some of the lessons that we learned from FRESH were that CBPR is more time intensive than traditional research approaches. Um, for FRESH, the entire first year of the grant was dedicated to the development phase. So collabor collaborating with Osage Nation on identifying needs in their community, who to involve on the project, um, and the tribe pretty much guided us on all these processes. We did have to get approval letters from the chief uh, at Osage Nation, as well as buy-in from the site managers, teachers, as well as the cooks at each of the programs. And then furthermore, we learned that community involvement is imperative to success and fidelity of the intervention. Um, we did hold these monthly in-person nights for parents and they brought their children to these as well. So we're learning that individual level interventions don't really work in these tribal communities and that household interventions are kind of more superior. We learned that the fresh preschool curriculum can be successfully implemented in ECE classrooms. Um, from the process evaluations, teachers were able to describe some ways to refine the lessons to allow for some from for to allow for more flexibility. Um, for example, teachers stated that some of the cooking activities took a longer amount of time than estimated, and some of the lessons could be shortened. So some other outcomes of the fresh study were that we did achieve the launch of their tribal farm as well as its, as well as its continued development. So when we started the fresh study, um, Bird Creek Farm and the production level was extremely low. Um, now the farm, um, like I said, is known as Harvest Land has actually tripled in size um, as well as increased their food production enormously. Um, we were also featured in the Nature Journal for our CBPR approach. And then the principal investigator on the study, as well as co-author co on this paper, Dr. Jernigan was actually on a PBS series called Blood Sugar Rising. 
um, where she ties chronic disease to conditions on reservation. So the next steps, um, we are continuing to work with Osage Nation and expand their food production and access through a new indigenous community supported agriculture program. And this entails a 16 week intervention, including weekly fresh produce boxes, um, recipes, nutritional information um, with an accompanying curriculum, as well as cooking demonstrations. So the study will be randomized um, weightless control trial as well. Um, and we actually start recruitment for this um, next February. And the study aims of this study are to improve diet, blood lipids, as well as blood pressure um, among Native American households in Osage Nation. And for this study, we're aiming to recruit 200 households. So that is all I had. Here are my references. Um, I just wanted to point out before we start with any questions, our website, um, indigenoushealth.com. Um, I kind of mentioned our center throughout the presentation. Um, we do have a website for the Center for Indigenous Health Research and Policy, and it lists any events we have, um, all of our publications on all of our different studies, um, as well as any webinars we've previously done. So be sure to check that out as well. Thank you so much. It was really interesting to learn about all that you did throughout this project. Um, any questions people have, please feel free to put those into the question box so I can moderate those out too, Tori. Um, one question that I had, you talked about the principles of food sovereignty um, and applying those to those projects. If people wanted to learn more about that, um, can you point them in the direction of any resources or where they could go to learn more? Yes, I'm actually glad you brought that up. So as I was talking about our center's website, we actually held a food sovereignty um, symposium uh, this past February, which was a two-day, two half-day event um, with various Native speakers from all over the country. Um, and so I will drop that into, into the chat to point you uh -huh. to. And so I think you just have to put in your email and then you will be um, emailed the PowerPoint as well as the agenda and handouts. Thank you. Yeah, that, was, that sounded like something really interesting to learn more about. Um, with the delivery of the presentation, um, were all of the teachers who were delivering members of Osage Nation? Um, yes, they were. Okay. Thanks. And then how, um, from each of the components, which ones would you take forward into a future program? Are there any that maybe you would not take forward? So I would say, since we're kind of switching into more of a household intervention instead of these kind of individual level, um, for Fresh, we did focus on the children. So we definitely did more method methodological um, ways to assess their fruit and vegetable intake, um, as well as kind of worked harder on the curriculum for them. Um, however, in order to see changes in parents, um, we need more than just that passive piece, you know, just kind of given, giving them um, a link to a website, hoping that they would hop on to complete their lessons. Um, and so for this new kind of indigenous supported agriculture study we're doing with them, um, we're definitely including, you know, more parental involvement for the adults, um, cooking demonstrations as well. 
Um, so we're kind of hoping to be more inclusive of everyone in the household and not just focus on, you know, just the children. Um, and then kind of a component that didn't really go as planned was the cook component. Um, it was really hard to get buy-in from the cooks just due to their capacity. Um, like they didn't really have the storage to kind of store the fresh produce. Um, but we were able to kind of modify the menus slightly. Um, so that was good. Okay. That's interesting. So structurally, they didn't have the physical capacity to do more. Mm -hmm. That is interesting. Uh, when you were weighing the food, uh, did any of the kids swap food? And if they did, how did you account for that? So the plate waste method was very intense. We, I actually, so I wasn't really a part of the data collection for fresh. I'm kind of the more back-end researcher, but we needed all hands on deck for that one. So I was helping, you know, weigh all the vegetables um, before giving them to the children. So we would do all the weighing of each of the containers um, actually at, at the university. And then we would um, pack them all in a cooler and then we would give them to the children during their after snack or after breakfast. Um, we did have spots on the forms for evaluators to note um, you know, if kids were swapping food, um, but we didn't really see that. We just kind of saw kids either not eating it or kind of just dropping it on the floor. Yeah, they are four. <laughs> I can picture that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. I'm dropping the link to, sorry, my internet connection is terrible. So I just now got that open. So I will drop the link to the symposium in the chat. Okay. Well, I want to thank you while you're doing that so much for sharing this research. I know I learned a lot listening to it. I'm sure our listeners did too. Um, and again, thank you so much for your time and your expertise today. At this point, I can pass it back to Rachel. Yes, thank you very much. Um, just a reminder, we have one more journal club session next Monday. Um, so please go on the SNEB website to reg register for that session. Um, if you have not voted on SNEB's um, DEI resolution, that voting ends today. And so we would appreciate you going out um, there's a blog post on the website. There was an email that went out this morning um, about casting your vote. Um, and then just a reminder, there's, there's a short survey when I close the webinar. So we appreciate your feedback. And then watch for the email follow-up on probably by Wednesday with the recording, the handout, and your CEU certificate. So look forward to seeing you back online soon. <laughs>